And good evening, everyone. This is Uche and Joku. Welcome to a Sneaker Principal Podcast. And um, just made it by the skin of my teeth. So again, just dealing with technical difficulties, but that doesn't matter. Tonight, we're going to be talking... Actually, first of all, tonight is Teacher Therapy Friday. And, um, and again, this is an open call show. But however, tonight, earlier today, actually... I received a text message with a with a um, with a Twitter um, video that had me rethinking, and it had to do with um, CRT, um, critical race theory. Which I'll be honest with you, I'm still trying to understand what that really is, because depending where you are in the in America, there's many different definitions being given out to what critical race theory really does mean. So, um, with that being said, tonight I really want to. Um, Get some learning done here on my end. I want to learn from y'all about what this what this means because I have my understanding of it. But however, um, it's not always clear. I'll be honest with you. It's not always clear to me what what it is. Only because um, some people talk about critical race theory as being a subject matter that was taught in law school to so really look at how race impacts um, how policing is done. I'm part, sorry about that. I'm here trying to turn on my other my um my different accounts here so to make sure that everything is running. So how how the law is interpreted through the eyes of race and how race plays an impact into it. So um but then it's now become this thing where we're defining um we're defining um how do I put it? We're defining how we teach uh Race in schools? Is that the best way to put it? How we re- how we, re- we teach culture, how we, t- we how we create culturally relevant spaces and using the umbrella of critical race theory as that thing to really define that, you know? Um, again, for those of you who are here for the first time, my name is Uche Njoku, Sneaker Principal. And um, I know I go live every Sunday, Wednesday, and Friday. And with Fridays being Teacher Therapy Fridays. And um, what I really want to do is definitely learn tonight and also hear from any teachers out there who, who might be in this space of, of um, having to deal with critical race theory as an actual subject matter within their school systems. And what does that do for you? You know, is this something that is that you are embracing 100%? Is that something that you're not? Um, again, I'm learning. I'm here, I'm here in New York. I feel like as a principal here in New York over the past six years, I, I read about it. I saw like protests in in the media about it, but it was never quite clear what it really meant. Like, you know, to me, it just wasn't clear. I was like, okay, I get it, but I still don't get it, if that makes any sense. So, and um, and over the course of this past year, I've met some some school leaders from other states who have shared with me, you know, share with me, you know, how this is the subject is 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 um impacting their locality, you know, within their school districts and how some states are banning it. Some states are, are, um, are forcing it. And again, I'm like, what is it exactly they're forcing? What is it exactly they're banning? I've seen books being burnt. I've seen, um, I've seen, um, uh, some certain states where they're saying you cannot touch, you cannot cover the subject matter. And I'm asking myself, how does, what does that have to do with critical race theory? And at some point in time this evening, I'm going to try to look up live on doing the show, the definition. Maybe I'll have to Google it to see what is the definition of critical race theory. Um, 
I mean, YouTube right now is, is acting kind of weird. Let me go ahead and see if I can re reestablish a connection there. And again, um, ladies and gentlemen, this is this is live. So I'm here um, working and making sure that uh, that everything is operating as it should. And uh, that's not it. Here we go. What's going on here? And for those, for those of you who are watching right now, if anything, if this is coming out to you clearly and audio wise and you've seen and you have any issues as well, please let me know in the chat. Um, I'm going to do my best to address whatever issue they may be as this is happening live. Um, Man's videos here. Again, I'm thinking here on YouTube, something is happening and which I'm not quite clear about. And let me see here. Let me go over here. Let me go over here. Man, this is working. I need an assistant. Here we go. YouTube is working. Um, and again, let me see if I can show you that angle, that, that beautiful angle that I have here so you can see what I'm, what I'm working with here. I'm here trying to operate all of these different screens. So right now I have YouTube going um, and the chat box so I can see if there's any comments happening there. I have LinkedIn going. And um, let me see if I can get LinkedIn going fully. Okay, turn the volume off on that. So that's LinkedIn. Then this is Facebook. Facebook is cool. And um, here we go. And again, for those of you here for the first time, um, you can see on the screen the scroll, scrolling the text. If you want to engage, if you want to join me in a conversation, I should I should turn I should turn on the the green room. You can go ahead and, and type in um, tinyurl.com/tsp dash video dash guest and what that will do that will bring you right into um this this show it will first park you in the the green room so you still be able to hear everything and then as soon as i can i'll join into into the conversation in the in the in the past uh, in the past episode what i've done is i've had people come on -on one-on-one and maybe i might you know just bring multiple people in as well so if i have multiple callers i mean i just might just bring you in let's just have a barbershop conversation or beauty salon conversation about about this topic of critical race theory and how this is impacting you as a teacher maybe as a parent or even a student um again here in new york city is not something that i've had to deal with directly cultural root from classroom has been a topic you know equity and, and diversity and making sure our schools, you know, really embrace the diverse population of students here in New York City. And that is that is something that I believe in. I believe that 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 should be normalized. You know, look at look at me. I am I am a black man born in Nigeria, raised in South Central L.A. You know, I'm African hood, <laughs> you know, West Side rider. Right. And all those identities Play, has played into who I have been as a teacher, as a, as a school leader, as an administrator, and um, and I celebrate. I celebrate my Africanness every single day. I, I I celebrate my my blackness, you know, as far as growing up here in America every single day, and I also celebrate my my maleness, you know. So all these things, you know, is makes me one diverse individual. So imagine all the children in our classrooms. Imagine all the teachers in our in our, in our buildings. Imagine all the all the, the support staff of everyone in our community. So, so for me, that is very important. Create spaces where everyone feels welcomed and, and engaged. However, a lot of this has been politicized, and this is where I try to get some understanding. I am definitely listen. I want to tell you right now, I am not an expert by any means. So, um, so before I, 
I played this video that I mentioned to you. A friend of mine sent this video, and this video is, I mean, it's, I'll be honest with you. It was a little emotionally drawing for me, and uh, but at the same time, I've heard these kinds of um, conversations and being held, and I've heard this uh, this level of of emotion being um, um, shared when it comes to this notion of critical race theory. So let me go ahead and type in critical race theory. In Nigeria, we don't say theory; you say you say theory. We hit that e and o and r y theory, you know, hard. So here, I'm going trying to find, so it's funny, I just type in critical race theory. And one thing that's interesting is Google will give you a definition off the bat. If it's something, a term, first off, it's a bunch of ads. And um, and then after the ads, actually, let me, let me do this. I can, I can share my screen and I will show you right here. Okay. Let's maximize the screen right here, bam. So, critical race theory. So Google is, is showing me straight to ads. Tenants of critical race theory is an ad, it's an ad you know, defending, defending ed.org is an ad. So these are all sponsored ads. So I always tell my students, you gotta be very careful when you're reading on the internet. When you see that AD, you have to understand there's usually an alternative motive and there's funding behind why that's being pushed out. So I'm just looking for a very basic definition for critical race theory. Okay. I'm seeing ads, you know, I'm seeing ed, edweek.org. I'm seeing all these different spaces. And what's, what's interesting to me is that there isn't like a, def, like a definitive, like this is across the board. Okay. Let's look at Wikipedia. And we also know Wikipedia is usually put by someone who, who, who got, who got to the punch first to put something on Wikipedia. And sometimes it's Wikipedia themselves. So let me see if I can just within the first sentence, first sentence get a definition for critical race theory. It says here, in Wikipedia, okay, critical race theory, CRT, is a cross-disciplinary examination of social and civil rights scholars, I'm sorry, by social and civil rights scholars and activists of how laws, social and political movements, media shape, and media shape and are shaped by social con conceptions of race and ethnicity. One more time, one more time. Critical race theory, and again, I'm trying to get an understanding of what critical race theory is. Before I show this video, before, because again, listen, I am a, I am forever a learner, and my, I'm, I believe that it's very important as a forever learner that I'm always being very clear about what it is that I am talking about, or what what it is I am putting out there into into universe, or whatever whatever I'm consuming. So again, critical race theory (CRT) is a cross-disciplinary examination. So it's different subject areas looking at, analyzing, breaking down something, right? So, um, okay, just making, making sure Twitter's doing this thing. All right, so looking at, looking at you know, cross-disciplinary examination, social sciences, the hardcore sciences, you know, philosophy, all these different areas looking at examining something, right? So the examination is being is happening by social and civil rights scholars and activists. So thinkers and doers of how laws, how we're governed, social and political movements, those those who have political ideas or beliefs in how society should be, and the media, you know, the thing that you're consuming right now. Um 
where am I? And the media are shaped by social conceptions, what we what we think collectively or individually about race. So it says conceptions of race and ethnicity, about race and ethnicities. But the thing people don't fail to realize, race and ethnicity are two different things. Because you can be a particular race, but within that race, there are groups or, or divisions within that race of, of identities. People see black. Black means what exactly? You know, because are you talking about African? Are you talking about Caribbean? Are you talking about um, uh, West African, South African, even within Nigeria, where there's over 200 distinct languages, you know, and tribes? If you go to Nigeria and you say, hey, wh- who are you? Where are you from? Or what are you? People will immediately identify their tribe. Okay, in Nigeria, when somebody asks me, where are you from? I immediately say I'm Igbo. If I meet a, if I meet a Nigerian, I immediately say I'm Igbo. I don't even say I'm Nigerian. I don't even say I'm African. No one in Africa says they're African. No one in Nigeria, you know, outside of being nationalistic, no one says that they're Nigerian. You, you call out what your tribe is, your ethnicity. So even here in America, we have ethnicities. You don't, I mean, that's the reason why we say Latinx, because it re- represents the vast diversity of people of, his, of Hispanic and Latin um, um, bloodline, whether it's European, whether it's, it's um, uh, first peoples of, of, of this continent, right? So that's something, that, so this is interesting because I'm reading this and this makes sense. It's, 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 social, it's social analysis of how what we say and what we think and what we believe and what we do dictates how race and ethnicity is seen. Okay, all right. But again, why people are talking about CRT being taught in elementary schools, middle schools, and high schools. Because again, when we talk about social civilized scholars and activists, these are people who are typically removed from um, our traditional school buildings, right? Okay. So let me um, go back to my main screen over here. And um, I'm going to go ahead and play this video, okay? And again, um, this was sent to me earlier today. I watched it one time and I was like, I need to put this out there. I need to put this on, on the show and get some opinions about it because I want to build my understanding of how, what critical race theory is and why people are so emotionally um, um, against it, right? So let me go ahead and set this up. The last up is so I'm going to screen and I'm going to Man, if I only had a, if I only had an assistant. All right, here we go. And play. The last name is Amon Chukwu. Thank you very much for correcting me, Mr. Amon Chukwu. Yes, no problem. It means I know God. Um, Luke chapter 17 and 2 says, It is better for a person to have a millstone tied around their neck. And to be thrown into the sea, then for anyone to harm or damage a child. And so the question today to the school board is, only you know whether or not your role, the policies, the curriculum, and the things that you allow in this school system in Wake County, only you know whether or not a millstone is tied around your neck. The reality is this, God is going to judge every last one of you 
for decisions that are made on behalf of children. You know, this past year we spent $1 million on a diversity office. And how did that benefit black children? How did it benefit children in general? Well, 78% of third through eighth grade black students are not proficient in math in Wake County. We're wasting taxpayer dollars putting money towards this diversity office that's not benefiting those who need it the most. 66% of third through eighth grade students are not proficient in reading. Black students, they're not reading on grade level. They're not performing mathematically, and they're not going to be able to get jobs in the fields like STEM. But we're wasting money on a diversity, equity, and inclusion office while we are failing black students in the name of diversity. You know, in the Jim Crow era, black students were locked out of the public school system. But today they are trapped in. And many of these students need options. They need school choice. They need the opportunity to take their taxpayer dollars and take it to school systems that will benefit them and support them and educate them. All right. So he goes on. And he, he goes on and he goes, and he goes, he goes, uh, he goes, you know, and you can tell his, that fervor and, and that intensity in his speech. Um, but he said some things that were very that were interesting to me because again, this video, this, this clip on, 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 um, on Twitter, it says here, black man leaves, it says here, excuse me. Black man leaves woke school board shaking after dismantling CRT to their faces. Again, he dismantled like whatever he, so they're saying that what he said, you know, dismantled, you know, after dismantling CRT to their faces. And again, I'm kind of confused here because he's making comparisons to what's being taught in classrooms, you know, as, as required in the name of diversity and equity and the realities of how students are performing in schools in Wake County. And I think, I'm not sure where, where, where Wake County is. I'm saying, I'm thinking it's Florida, but I might be wrong. Somebody please correct me. Um, and he gives data. And the data he gives is that 70% of children, again, I'm not sure whether he, whether he meant um, just black children, all children, you know, because black children would be a subgroup, or was he talking about all children? And either way, 78% of students not being proficient in math, in math is incredibly alarming, incredibly alarming. Then 66% um, not being proficient in reading, in literacy, again, incredibly alarming. You know, it's funny because they said over the, over the past um, 20 years, 
over 130 million Americans read below a sixth grade level. Like they read lower. So they either are at sixth grade or all the way to not being able to read at all here in America. Over 130 million Americans. So if I'm going to look at, if I'm going to look at this particular locality as an, as an example, as an example of what's happening across the country, you know, that is alarming to me. As an educator, that's alarming to me. That's ter- ter- it terrifies me. As a parent, it terrifies me because it, it, I have to ask myself this question. What's happening that's preventing us from being able to truly educate our children, you know, to provide them what they need to be, to be academically proficient and to be at, and, and, and also exhibit a level of mastery, especially in those two subjects, mathematics, and reading, because if you can read, writing is is not that far behind. If you if you can if you're proficient in math, I'm talking about up to at least pre-algebra. You have the ability to reason mathematically and be able to navigate the world with basic. Like I mean, like you can someone can tell you that you know this house is this many square feet, and you know. You know how to measure it. You know if you're being lied to. That's why math is important. Somebody can tell you, well, your interest rate is this, and you can do that calculation and see, you know, does the numbers add up? Basic survival stuff. When I say math for the sake of, you know, mapping out um, a space mission to Mars, we're talking about math for an everyday living and and survival, right? And reading, the ability to to take letters, turn them into words, turn them into sentences, and construct logical clearly thought out thoughts, right? And also be able to be able to look at text and and draw meaning out of it, you know, and and and, and exercise critical reasoning. You know, to be able to to read a politician can't just tell you, you can research what they're telling you about what they're gonna do or what what the policies are yourself. These are just skills that you need as a citizen. And the thing that's scary to me is these numbers these numbers are not that far off across the country, especially in urban settings. Not far off at all. But again, is pouring money into a de- I think he said one million dollars. Again, I don't know. I like I don't know if this is true or not true. This is what he's saying in this video. Is that um is that in alignment with what critical race theory is? Again, the definition here that's given, at, at least at minimum, in that first sentence says critical race theory is a cross-disciplinary examination by social and civil rights scholars and activists of laws, of, I'm sorry, of, of how laws, social and political movements and media shape and are shaped, okay, and media shape and are shaped by social conceptions and race and ethnicity. Just the what's in that definition itself, if that's what's being taught in schools, that's heavy. That requires like critical reasoning skills. Because who are you going to, who, who are the scholars you're reading? Who are, who are the civil rights leaders, activists that you're studying? What laws are you looking at? What social and political movements? Are you just having somebody just spew at you? You know, what great level and we, at what grade level are you able to actually handle this depth of critical thinking and analysis? Kindergarten, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, 
is this AP AP level course, college level course? But whenever I hear scholars, you know, and activists, like I'm thinking about Kwame Ture, I'm thinking about Malcolm X, I'm thinking about you know um, Tony Morrison, I'm thinking I'm thinking about Nicole Hannah Jones, people who are in that sp- in those spaces who are doing deep research, data analysis, you know, uh, critically thinking. And creating these spaces. So, again, I'm asking myself, are people using, you know, this concept of critical race theory to kind of create a definition for what diversity and inclusion and and equity is? But to me, it sounds like diversity, inclusion, and equity would be something that's being studied within critical race theory to improve upon you know, how we make sure that kids are reading at grade level, how we make sure that kids are, are, are proficient mathematically at grade level. Please do me a favor. If you're listening to this and you want to join in, call in at any time. If you, if you, again, the URL is tinyurl.com slash TSP dash video dash guest. You put that into your, into your, um, into your search bar and whatever you use it, whether it's Chrome or or you're using Firefox, or you're using um, Safari. Put that in there. What it's going to do is going to be to a screen. You type your name in, you enter, and all of a sudden, you ring over on my end, and I'll bring you in, and you come talk to me. But however, I forgot to do that. Let me see. Let me make sure here. I got to make sure I'm also checking, checking the email. The other option, again, is you can shoot me an email. Um, let me make sure, first of all, where's my email at? You can also shoot me an email at... You can also shoot me an email. Okay, I thought I had an email, but it was, that's a business. That's a business call right there. Um, somebody tell me that they they're loving my show, but however they want to know if they can support my business. But um, yeah, you can also shoot me an email at ask at the sneaker dot com. You know, and drop your number on you, and I could I could call you directly myself. Again. Um, the goal here is to make this as accessible as, as possible for anyone who's, who wants to engage in the conversation. But if you just want to listen, that's fine as well, because I have a lot to say. Um, I, or Betty, I have a lot of questions to ask. So again, back to the topic at hand. How, no, not even how. Let's forget about the how we fix this. Or how, I'm not even sure what the problem is. But I am concerned when I hear that a school district is spending over a million dollars to create a whole entire office, um, because that means salaries and positions and people who are now looking at diversity, inclusion, and and and, and, and equity, right? But what's the result in the classroom? How does that impact students in the classroom? How do we make sure that they're leaving? You know, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, eight, nine, going to high school, nine, 10, 11, 12, graduating from high school and having what they need to go into the world and conquer. That is the, that is, that is the, the mission here to make sure that our kids are getting what they need to go into the world and conquer. And however, that's not what's, uh, that's not what's happening. That's not what's happening. And again, Not again. I, I'm just asking that question. What are we doing wrong here? But even better yet, if you're a teacher, you're listening. How does this make you feel? If you're in those spaces where 
critical race theory and diversity and inclusion is is being used in a, in, a, in a fashion that you do not agree with as far as how it's resupporting our, our children in being academically, academically proficient. Yeah, and uh, yes, race, diversity, race, and inclusion is very important. Like I started, like I said in the beginning of this of this um, podcast, because me myself, as someone who came in, into an into an America when I came to America in the early eighties, that wasn't very inclusive of an African child, you know. And when I when I moved, when I moved to LA, coming from a, from a, from countries and places that I lived as a, prior to America, where race was never even brought up. Like, I didn't know I was black until I came to, listen, I did not know I was black until I came to America. I remember when the first time someone told me I was black, I was very confused. I was very confused. I must have been like eight or nine, and I was completely just like, what does that, huh? Because for me, black is a color. I'm sorry, let's, let's, be, let's be correct. Black is the absence of color. You know, close your eyes. What do you see? Without, you know, if there's no light shining through your eyelids, you see nothing. You see what we call black. So I was very confused as a child when someone said that you're black. And I was like, uh, what? So how does this really, like, how is this, how has any of this happened our kids in schools? How? And that's my question, you know? As a parent of two children who were still relatively relatively young, my son is two and a half years old. My daughter is four. Even today, I went I went to uh to um to Target Target. I went to Target to do my diaper run. You know, my daughter still does the pull ups. You know, for when she goes to bed. My son is he's being potty trained right now, and you know, but I still gotta buy those diapers and still gotta buy those wipes. You know, but almost at the finish line, right? Almost at the finish line. But um, again. You know, I was there and, and I purchased, I purchased a, um, I purchased, uh, what I was, I, I got the diapers, I got the, I got the baby wipes, but I always go into the book section. And when I went to the book section, what, what was I looking for? I'm looking for books for my, for my kids. Because again, I don't care if my daughter is, is, is four years old. I don't care if it's two, two and a half years old. They're never too young to learn how to read. And somebody might be saying, wait a minute, let them live. No, my son can read. He can. How do I know he can read? Because literally, he's, he's starting to get beyond sight words. The other day I was at a restaurant and, um, and, I, and I wrote on a piece of paper for him, F-R-O-G. And he looked at it and he went, he didn't just scream frog. He said, frog. Because I'm, we're, te- we're, we're teaching them phonetics and how to break it down. Two and a half years old. Because, I, because in my household, I know how critical this reading is. And I know what that means when children, children can't read. Um, real quick. Wow. I, for, um, listen, I just got a comment here. The lead attorney, much love to you. Thank you so much for, this, for the salute. I really appreciate, appreciate that. I'm a big fan. And uh, I have a, let me see here. I have somebody, okay, Let's bring let's bring uh let's bring Aislinn into the conversation. Aislinn, how are you doing this evening? <laughs> Hi, Mr. Joku. How are you? I'm doing good. That's good. So, what are your thoughts? What about critical race theory, diversity, and inclusion? Like, tell me what it, as as a teacher, 
as a student of, edu- of, of edu- education, what are your thoughts about this? How okay. has this impacted you? So I thought that your example based on um, your son, how you're teaching him all these words and everything and increasing his vocabulary is a very good thing you're doing because not a lot of parents are dedicated to that um, because, you know, they don't have the time or they have uh, other responsibilities or they, you know, have their their situations, their issues, whatever the case may be. Um, that sometimes they're not in that level that they're supposed to be developed. So, you know, they have other ways that they can see that either it could be through technology or through uh, TV shows. Um, but it's also what the parents um, put as like a no-no and then what they put as a yes, like for them to watch. Because there are some parents that they influence their kids um, very young to see things that they're not supposed to be seeing yet. You know, I understand that they want to teach them um, of, you know, what could like what it could be like for them um, and all these things. But you don't know if it's going to be the same. Like, you don't know. Like, it could be a different scenario based on how the parents grew up, based on how you grew up, you know. Um, but But you have to teach them also the right and wrong choices of life, you know, too. And that's what some parents lack too, um, because they think, you know, they see outside in the world and they're like, oh no, like, I'm not going to let my child, um, see this because I don't, I don't know if they're going to learn anything from it or not. Like, you know, you don't know because you don't know what your child is interested in or what's, or what's their, um, their lack of interest. You don't know. I I, I hear you. I hear you. So let me me ask you a question. I want, I want your perspective Mm -hmm. as early childhood teacher, you know, um, there's a lot of push to to make sure that we're really um, engaging children in concepts around diversity, concepts mm-hmm. around equity, um, concepts around inclusion, right? So when we're looking at that preschool, for kindergarten, first grade, th- that that span, right? How, what does that, what does that look like for you in so, your classrooms? Is that something that you, you believe that kids at that age could really understand? And, and especially when, when we're talking about like something as, as complex as critical race theory. I think that at that age, they can understand it, but in the simplest terms possible, like in the easiest words possible for them to understand, um, you could show them first by, you know, either reading a story to them about, you know, it could be a famous person that did art or it could be, um, you know, music that you hear from those cultures. Like, that's how you could start it off at first um, in order for them to understand that, you know, in society, we have to be um, accepting towards other um, ethnicities and, you know, appreciate the ethnicity. Even though you're not from there, you have to at least respect it. You know, that's that's the main the three main words that we were talking about last week, how we said about um, kindness, humanity, you know, um, accepting, you know, um, those three words are the best way that you could teach the child um, to show them that it's okay to be different. You know, it's okay to be um, from another country where, you know, you like, let's say, um, empanadas and you know let's say you like curry for example you know like that's fine that's okay because 
it's okay to try new things and to see new things and to explore uh, new cultures and, you know, to explore new places that you've never seen before. And you could understand them in a way that you might say like, oh, I like that. I want to go see more of that. I want to see more of the So let me ask you this then. So now, and I, and I, and I totally agree with that. In, in school classrooms should be a space where we're exploring, not just we're exploring the content, the content in a way that opens you to the world. Understand the world is a vast place, the different cultures, because, because especially if you live in America and most of the modern world, you're going to be intersect, in, crossing and intersecting with different people of different backgrounds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But now, how do we how do we make sure that we're teaching that, mm-hmm. but also making sure that there is high levels of literacy um, and math skills being developed, like just the content knowledge is being de- developed, mm-hmm. uh, like as an early as an early childhood teacher. How do you make sure that you're teaching the, your children about the world, but they're also proficient readers? Yes. And they're also so good I was in actually going to get to that when you stopped me. Um, so what you can do is like when you're reading and let's say you're reading to the class a book, let's say it's about my country, let's say Ecuador. And let's say it has like the word equator or it has the word um, South America, you know, words like that, they can understand more of how that how that culture is and um, and how to understand it better. So then when they actually do learn about the country, they're more, um, they have that mindset more developed, but also they know um, where that culture is from because now they're going to know, oh, it's from another country. It's from another um, continent. It's not from America, you know. Um, just showing them the main words will help them to understand what those words actually mean, even though they don't understand it. Because you have to tell the child what the word means. Because if you're just reading a book to them and you come across a word that you don't tell them what the meaning is, they're going to ask you. Because they're very smart, like kids, little kids especially, yeah. they're smart. They um, track your every move, you know? So that's the thing that you have to teach them. Because if you don't teach them, is how are they going to become better readers? How are they going to become better thinkers? Better, um, the word that I want to use, even though it's not related to the topic, better philosophers, you know, um, in that aspect. So, it, 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 you know, it depends on how the teacher teaches and how they're willing to um, develop their high level thinking um, when it comes to reading. Because that's what I feel like um, the schools lack sometimes like some of the teachers lack, that they don't really um, show them a lot of these words and they don't um, show them how to pronounce it correctly, you know, because I've had a lot of kids that they don't pronounce the word correctly. So I do is like my dad taught me when I was little was my hand would go over my, my chin and I would hear the vibration of the sound. So then I would know how to pronounce it correctly. And I use that with my students to this day and they pronounce the words so well that I don't even have to repeat it a second time or keep constantly repeating it to them. So let me ask you a question. So let, let's let's shift the conversation because, you, because what you're sharing is, is, is valuable. You're sharing instruct, instructional strategies that you're using in the classroom and showing that how you're thinking about how to better engage your students in, in developing those skills. So now I'm going to ask you this as a teacher. There are states right now that are saying, we don't want you 
to teach in not New York, but there's other states where the teachers, I've met those teachers who've said to me and school leaders who've said to me in my state, and I'm, those states remain, remain lameless for right now. You can look it up, who are saying in your classrooms, you're not to engage in any conversation about culture. We don't want to hear about empanadas. We don't want to hear about curry. We don't want to hear about, you know, any of that. You're just going to teach the, the, the straight line Eurocentric curriculum and, diversity inclusion all that stuff is completely not not to happen and if we if you if you sneak it in and we find out you will be fired how do you feel about that as a teacher i think that in a way i understand where they're coming from because there might be some um people in the school or even the parents they don't want you to teach certain things because they just don't want their child to be influenced in that, which I understand. But in another way, um, I don't I don't like it because how can you show um, a child how do you celebrate a holiday, for instance, or how do you, um, you know, play a certain instrument or um, how how this person changed the lives of others? You know, it's it's something that it should be shown because especially now in society, what are we even looking at? You know, especially right now with like the gun violence and, um, you know, with, with, you know, all these people dedicating their lives to doing something, but it's not for the, it's not for the good it's for the worst. And how can you teach kindness and humanity and decency if you're not showing it the same way in society? I think. Um, that's something that that I was going to mention that that's something that we lack today. We we lack um, that decency, that humanity, that kindness, that uh, sympathetic, empathetic. That's something that we lack. And it's sad that we have to see our world crash down with like with the people because the the high the high anarchy is the one that's making us suffer. It's not us like it's you know, government officials that are making us suffer um, for the consequences that they did. Because we 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 say um, our voice in something um, and we want this change and then it doesn't happen, you know, or they make us uh, do this choice where we have to be forced. Like we have two people running and you don't like either of them, but they want you to pick. And it's like, why would I pick somebody if they don't have any of the reasons for me to vote for them or any of the changes that they're not going to be changing um, for me, you know? And um, I, I, you know, I'm a person that I say in, in my mentality that how you were saying, like, there are some people that are not meant to be teachers. If you're not following, because you and I know very well that if you don't follow um, or at least read educational stuff, like, if you're not on top of that, you shouldn't be a teacher because how are you going to be a better teacher if you don't read the guidelines or the articles of how to be a good teacher and how not to be um, a bad teacher? You know, that that's just my yeah. mentality. And one, one thing I want to add before before we um, um, and this portion of the conversation is um, um, I thank you for saying that, because um, I, I'm a big I am a big believer that um not everyone's meant to be a teacher. I, I'm a believer of that because one thing about being a teacher or being an educator in any capacity is not, it can be a job. It can be a job, but it should not be a job. 
because as a teacher, you have the power to shift the world. And people might say, what do you mean? I mean, how does one teacher have the power to shift the world or, or impact society deeply? And um, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine who talked about Malcolm X. And Malcolm X, I think he was about nine or 10 years old. And he told his teacher, I want to be a lawyer. I'm going to be a lawyer when I grow up. And that teacher told him, told him, wait a minute, um, you know, little Malcolm, mm, I don't know. At that point, he wasn't Malcolm X, he was Malcolm Little, and told him, you know, black children, black people don't become lawyers. What are you talking about? So you should do something more, more acceptable, something easier. You know, why don't you become a carpenter? Jesus was a carpenter. This is what this little boy was told by a teacher in the classroom, mm-hmm. you know? And it's funny because, in my opinion, I understand the time, the, the the space. It was totally uncalled for. It was um, soul crushing for this little boy t- to be told because you're black, you cannot be a lawyer. But also, it was one of the, the moments that fueled him into his adulthood, and he became a civil rights leader and somebody who impacted society. So we have to be very careful because yeah. if he didn't have the, that fortitude within himself to really yeah. push back emotionally and say yeah. i'm going to keep moving but, forward but it's how we, we said last week too that um most teachers are lacking that personal connection too that's that's one of the things that they lack as well because i mean unfortunate for me like the reason i'm saying i believe in diversity and everything because i have traveled almost everywhere around the world you know and just to see those little things and once I come back, I'm like, I'm grateful I got to see this and I got to see what I love about the culture. But then I saw all the time what I should be grateful for when it comes to living in America. You know, like I just went recently a few months ago to Egypt. I went to Egypt. So a lot of wow. people would have been like, you're crazy to go to Egypt. Um, I've been, listen, I've been to Egypt. I've been to Egypt. Yeah. A beautiful, beautiful country. It's a different yeah, it world. Is. It's a beautiful yeah, country. It's beautiful. So a lot of um, my ch- church friends and everything they were like i loved when we went to mount sinai i love seeing the nile river but then after that i would never go back to egypt because i saw how the people there were living and they suffered and all these things they were saying and you know in my head i was like you guys are right like we should be grateful that we live here that we have um you know this freedom that we have you know our voices heard you know that we have the the power to have these actions changed because there are some countries that don't have that, you know, and when they do do it, they have consequences for it, um, you know, and also to see the history come alive. Like I went to Israel, too, after we went to Egypt and just to see where the stories of, you know, Jesus came from and Mary and Mary Madeline and all these stories like come to life in our faces. For me, it was amazing because it's like now I understand the Bible better, you know, um, even though I read it and I'm like, okay, I understand it, but sometimes you have to see to believe it, you know, yeah, you, um, you need that perspective. You know, yeah. You need that so perspective it's not just, it's just not a story. It. And it was amazing. Honestly, like I'm so grateful that I went and at the end of the day, like my, my favorite part was um, when we went to the sea of Galilee, because it was like, when I saw that, I saw heaven. I was like, wow, I understand now like the actual story, you know? So it's it's something that 
uh, teachers lack to show their students, you know, um, it doesn't even have to be to go to Israel. Like you could just go and do like an experiment, let's say, um, of like, you know, how the Sea of Galilee, let's say, um, makes a wave and how much, you know, the wave goes or something like that. Cause that's science related. So to make it something that you could relate to, um, and for the child to understand even better would help. And that's something that, you know, teachers lack. And you say to yourself, why don't I teach it that way? You know? Yep. Well, Aislinn, thank you so much again for calling in. I really appreciate you. You're welcome. Those of you who watching for the first time, Aislinn was is one of my former students who, again, I met her when she was in ninth grade, and now she is a teacher, has a master's degree in early childhood, early childhood education. And I'm saying, listen, I can't wait to 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 have principal, you know, Aislinn on 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 the show <laughs> one day soon. Listen, you you keep laughing. I'm putting it out there. I'm putting it out there into the universe because. I remember when I first became a teacher, somebody had told me I would be a principal and I would laugh too because I was like, I'm going to be a teaching fellow. I'm going to teach for two years. I'm going to go to law school. No, I'm not laughing because yeah. you said it. I'm laughing because my dad told me that literally the other day after I talked it to you, like he said that to me and I was like, dad, I don't know if I can do it. Like, I don't know. <laughs> you, you don't I need mean, to know I how to do it. And everything, but then I was remembering like the, the, what you had said and your experience and stuff. But also I see it too. And I'm just like, I don't know if I have the capacity to handle that. Like all these kids. And, nobody you does. Know, Listen, nobody does. Like, yeah. Nobody <laughs> does until you're in it. That's, that's what <laughs> leadership is. You, you, you just don't know until you're able to do it. So again, thank you so yeah. much. Have an amazing night. Have a good, great you're weekend. Welcome. You're welcome, and I'll talk Mr. to you Joe. soon again. Before I um, hang up the call, whoever is watching, please like, share, subscribe, watch all his social content, that. please, because he is the best. Um, he has the best advice. He's very inspirational. Um, and hopefully, you know, you'll see more of his content and you'll like it. So that's all I have to say. <laughs> all right. Have a good night and we'll talk soon. All right. Okay. Bye. So again, you know, I love getting perspective from educators and, um, and my goal is to have more educators call in and, and, and Aislinn is somebody who, who I really respect because she knows what she wants to do. She knew what she wanted to do. She, and not only that, she's working with the most, the foundation of our, of our school system, our early childhood, because those foundational skills are put in there. You know, then our kids are able to move on through the early grades, um, with in on grade level, knowing how to read and be, be able to be build on their math skills. Because again, this whole entire conversation started off with this video about Wake County um, um, CRT, critical race theory. But then my question was, what is critical race theory? The definition that I read in the beginning, then it doesn't quite match what I hear that's happening in different spaces. I can see the interconnectionalities, but it still doesn't quite make sense. Because at the end of the day, what's important to me is what is happening in the classrooms for our children? What is the end product? That, what are we producing? You know, um, some people might say to me, some people might say, listen, Mr. Njoku is, it's, or Uche or sneaker principal. Um, yeah, you're saying all that, but you don't understand. Yeah. Trust me. I do understand 17 years in New York city schools. I do understand as a teacher. I do understand as a Dean. I do understand, you know, shifting school culture. I do understand as an assistant principal, as an instructional leader, you know, working to, to move school 
to move an entire school cultures and systems into a place of success and, and productivity. I do understand as a principal now being the one in the seat, two different schools, a middle school and a high school in the Bronx and in Brooklyn and dealing with all the things that happens with, with running schools and staying focused on on what's the most important thing, our children being successful. That's, that's, that's the goal. That's the end result. Because again, like this gentleman said in, the, in this video, 70%, 78% of the children there, you know, again, he wasn't quite clear whether he was just talking about the black children or all children. 78% of them are not proficient in mathematics in that county or in that district. 66% of them are not proficient in, in reading. If you can't read, what are we talking about? If the children can't read, I mean, let's be honest here. And this is this is now me forming my my belief system around, you know, from this conversation. Diversity, inclusion, you know, um equity means very little if it's if it's built into schools and the schools are producing children that are illiterate. Because I need to be a capable thinker, reader. I need to be seen as intellectually equal, regardless of what people may think. I need to know that I'm intellectually equal and up to the task of going into the world. Regardless if I go to college or go to the military or go into the workforce, I start my own business. I need to, to know that I can navigate in any spaces, any spaces, and face challenges, whatever the case is, knowing that this right here is is up to par to, to the job. I need to know that. Because if I'm illiterate, if I'm reading below sixth grade level as a hundred as part of the 130 million Americans that are reading below sixth grade level, the number of I, I, I saw a number, and I don't want to I don't want to jack it up. The number of adults who never read another who never read a book after elementary school or after high school, they never read a book again in their lives. It's outstanding. It was in the millions, tens of millions. And I'm, I'm sure people are lying. I'm probably saying like, yeah, I do. I've read a book. You know, again, these are, these are the realities of the world because if you're not, if your brain is not built and up to the task, then guess what? You will be a victim of inequality. You will be a victim of not being not not being included. You will be a victim of of being relegated to spaces that are not that that become not diverse because the excuse is going to be you're not even up to part of of being what a citizen should be. You're not a contributor. You're not a producer. I asked this question, I made a short video last week, or week, two weeks ago, where I asked this question, and it had to do with mental health and the amount of money is being put into mental health services in schools, which I believe is necessary. However, I made, I made the connection, to me at least, that if we are pushing for mental health, you know, and not ensuring that our children are literate, in the long term and even more so in the short term, are we not contributing to poor mental health? But how does it feel for a child to get older and older in the school system 
and not be able to read? Do they feel good about themselves? Are they living in fear that they might be, they might be found out? As the teacher says, all right, today we're going to read aloud. Everyone is going to read a chapter. Oh, I'm sorry, a paragraph out loud to the classroom. The kid in the classroom who, might, let's say it's a 10th grade classroom, the kid who's reading at a third grade level out of that 10th grade textbook, what anxiety are they going through physically? I did nothing to themselves. Oh my God, I, I can't. It's, it's going to come to me. And, and, and all this is going through their heads. So when that kid blows up and starts cursing another student out or throws a book in the classroom, start cracking jokes or disrupts the class, is that their fail self mechanism coming to play so you don't find out that they can't read or they can't do the math problem? And trust me, I know what that feels like because I was that kid. In my early elementary school, I was that kid. When, when you call me to the board, listen, the room was set to spin. My breathing would, would, start, would start to accelerate. I would start to sweat profusely because, and, and all anxiety because I struggled. I was a struggling learner. And I hated going to school. I was terrified of going to school. And it's funny because back then I didn't see, I didn't know anything about mental health. But now as an adult, I look back and I'm like, wow, that was traumatic. The trauma that I went through as a child, struggling in school. But I also have had I also have, not had, I have an amazing mother who who once it was realized that I had my struggles, made sure I got all the support that I needed, and and was able to, to climb out of that dark dark place as as a poor as a student who was functioning poorly, you know, and thrown into special education. A student who, uh, I mean, listen, I didn't know. Listen, I'll tell you right now. I can tell you exactly the moment that I realized I could read. I can tell you exactly what it was. It was the summer. It was the summer of 1986. Six? Yeah. Summer of 1986 was when I when it dawned on me, oh, snap, I can read. I was about 10 years old. Nine, nine 10 years old when I realized, oh, Oh my God, I can read, I can literally read the sentence and not have to like fight to just make sense of the words or even pronounce the words. I can read the sentence and be like, oh, this means this. I remember, listen, I might be going away, I might be going away off topic, but I'm telling you, that's the summer. I'm, I'm like, listen, I love my mother because she, I don't know if she even knew what she was doing, but she's one of those African women, you know, Pentecostal. Who was like the devil's a liar? My babe, my my son will my, will will not be a failure. She used to tell me all the time, Uche, I don't care what they're telling you. You're my child. You will not fail. If you fail, I have failed. She got me all my tutors. I mean, all my teachers in Nigeria to come into the house. Monday was my math teacher at school. Tuesday was my English teacher at school. Thursday was my science teacher at school. Then, then um, Thursday was my, my my history teacher at school. They would come after school, Monday through Thursday, with me for two hours, and she would pay them and feed them. This went on for a year, and I struggled and I fought through it. But I remember the summer that my mother gave me, uh, she gave me four books, four books, okay? I had this, this mother I had, you know, 
she didn't care about sneakers and clothes. That that was not her thing. She got me four bucks. And until this day, I know the four bucks. And it's funny because, mind you, mind you, I was about 10 years old. Things fall apart by Chino Aichibe. Animal Farm. Um, um, Animal Farm. Um, what's this? Why is my brain going numb now? Um, what's the book? with Lord, um, Lord, Lord of the Flies and Oliver Twist. Oliver Twist, Lord of the Flies, Chino Aichibe's Things Fall Apart and uh, Animal Farm. And as a 10-year-old, I just thought these were books that, that kids would read. But my mother made sure in her own way that my my lack of confidence in reading, but she, she knew she already invested a lot of money and energy on her son. And that's something she gave me those books and I didn't, leave, I didn't leave the house, I just read. And I'm sorry, she gave me five books. The fifth one was the big old red Webster's Dictionary. Webster's Dictionary. Because she told me, any word you do not, you do not know, open the dictionary and find that word. If you don't understand what it's telling you, come and, come and ask me, I will tell you. I will tell you, I will help you. So over the course of that summer, I've got through those four books. Until this day, my four favorite books, because from 10 years old, I got to high school, I read each of those four books in high school. Not for personal reading, as part of the curriculum in my AP courses in 11th and 12th grade. When I got to college, guess what Guess what happened again? My freshman seminar class in college, Lord of the Flies was on, was, was, was in the, on the book list, so was Animal Farm. Further into, into my college education, I took an Af- Africana Studies course. Things fell apart was there again. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, my mother got me some college-level books to read when I was 10 years old. No, that's not what she did. She said, listen, I've given you all the tools and now I need to reinforce them for you. And I am today who I am because of that. And this is what we need for our children. The 78% of kids who were not proficient in math, the 66% of kids who are not proficient in reading in Wake County, or let me just say this across the country, because these numbers are not that different across the country. That's what they need. The confidence of knowing that you are capable academically. That is how you really combat, you know, the lack of diversity. Because those kids who can now read and think and move on to college level courses, AP courses, guess what happens now? They get those the high SSC scores for those who are college bound. You know, they, they pass those 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 entrance exams with flying colors into certification programs. And guess what happens? They're the ones who diversify those industries that might not have a lot of minority kids in there. They're the ones who make sure that inclusion is a reality and not just a concept that we keep talking about. Because we've been talking about diversity, inclusion, and inequity for decades. Decades in America. So just because you build a department within a district doesn't mean anything if we're not making sure that our kids are getting what they need. And my career as an educator, that's been, that, has, that has been my primary focus. How do I make sure my kids that are under my, under my roof, I tell kids all the time, 
when you're, when you're in school, you're under my roof. I become daddy and I become mommy. I'm grandpa. I'm, I'm auntie. I'm uncle. Listen, for some of y'all, I might be your pet dog. It's cool. But in my, in my building, in my space, my job is to make sure that you're getting everything that you need so that when you leave this place, whether it was the middle school that I was a principal of or the high school that I just left a few months ago, not even two months ago, my expectations when those students were done and left my house, left my school, that they had every tool they needed to go into the world to conquer. I don't believe in surviving. I don't believe in, in just succeeding. But what is success? It's relative, right? But conquering, conquering, you, there is no relative to conquering. When you hear somebody is, 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 is a conqueror, you don't see passive. You don't see someone who's passive. You don't see somebody who's kind of who's kind of conquering. No, you see somebody who's dominating. That's what we need of our children. That is how you create a space, a world where we start to crack down on on race and 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 racism and all these different things, and 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 spaces that are not diverse and not inclusive, by making sure that we are. Capable, regardless of what your race is, your gender is, your gender identity, you have. We have to create spaces in schools that we are making sure our kids are mastering the content and they're being successful. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I just I, listen. I could keep going. I looked. I just looked up the clock. It's eleven oh six, so I'm already six minutes past the uh, the hour that I dedicated to this time. And again, um, please join me. Uh, Join me on um on Sunday. Sunday is um is where we just it's, it's just me and you and I and I look at I look through primarily good, I look through article, uh, news stories what's happening in education and um and try to make sense of of those spaces. Today was teacher therapy um, Friday and um and I hope I gave you something to think about something so so other some new ideas, you know, to really consider or better yet, an opportunity for you to realize you're not the only one who might be thinking the way, what I presented this evening. You know, remember, in conclusion, our responsibilities as educators, as teachers, I was told this when I first became a teacher and I didn't quite understand what it was until I realized I was doing it. I was a subversive. I did my job as it was expected of me, but I also did the most. I wanted my children, my students to rock, to be confident, to be cocky with it. As a matter of fact, when I became principal um, after the middle school, I was told, I was told this, Mr. Njoku, you're cocky. I'm like, I am? And said, and the worst part about it, your students are cocky, your kids are cocky too. I'm like, what's wrong with that? Because if my students are walking around with their heads up and they feel confident about who they are, come on now. Come on now. I'm sorry. In some instances, that level of just self-confidence is a cure for mental health issues. Because often we, we deal with mental health issues. Yes, there are biological reasons. But usually when it comes to social emotional spaces, it's because we don't feel confident. We don't feel safe. And that's one thing that, that I aspire to do, to create spaces for my students to feel safe. I aspire to create spaces for my children, my son and daughter, to feel safe. 
and feel, and not only feel safe, but feel confident to walk into spaces and speak up for themselves. You know, my daughter right now tells me, daddy, daddy, you, 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 you yelled at me. That was not nice. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. I did raise my voice. I apologize. And, that's, and she's four. That's what I want her. Uh, that's who I want her to be, to have a voice and, and, and be cocky with it. There's nothing wrong with that. And I'll tell you right now, and that's the one to say. If you want, if you want to see, if you want your kids to to feel confident, cocky, and about their business, make sure they're reading at grade level or above. Make sure they're proficient in math in school. So when people ask them how school, they're like, "Yo, I'm rocking. I'm killing it." There's no reason that every every student is not an A student, because all A A student means is that they're showing mastery. And for a child to show mastery, it's because the teacher is doing their job to make sure the child is meeting those spaces. And if you're a teacher, you're a principal, you're a, you're a system leader, that's why that's your job. That's why you decided to go into education to make sure that the that who you serve have all the tools and the resources to be successful. All right. With that being said, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for your time this evening. Please, please, please like, share, subscribe, whatever platform you are. Are you on this evening? I, I thank you if you're on Twitter. Thank you so much for joining me this evening. For those of you who are, who are on um, Facebook, thank you again. Uh, LinkedIn, I appreciate you. Much love. And of course, YouTube, again, thank you so much. Be well this evening. In closing, I know I already said in closing, but just one more, just 20 seconds. Take care of yourself this, this weekend. Make sure that um, you turn off Monday. Focus on Saturday and Sunday. Self-care, focus on yourself, focus on your family, whatever is happening on Monday will be there on Monday for you. So why don't you just go ahead and be in the moment of the weekend and be with your family and friends and really restore yourself, okay? So again, thank you so much. Have an amazing night. Until next time, all right? Be well. And now he's been promoted. His job principal. <laughs>